Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Chapter 1. Today we're going to be covering 18 verses of the Bible. 18 verses. So if you didn't read your Bible app this week, we got you covered. 18 verses we have. And uh, it starts this way. It says, James, a bond servant of God and of the 12, uh, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. And I just want to pause here right here before we continue reading the verses. Um, because here you have James who many scholars believe is Jesus' little brother. It's his Je- Jesus' little half-brother. Now, I relate to James because, I don't know about you, but James' older brother was Jesus, okay? Now, you might not have a Jesus older brother, but I was raised, I could relate to James because my older brother's name, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? The problem is that he wasn't Jesus, you know what I'm saying? So, that was Jesus. My big brother was named Jesus. And when he was born and my parents named him, he was like, your name will be Jesus. And he was like, opposite day. And so, he just lived his life that way. But praise God that he comes to church now and he's given his life to the Lord. Jesus gave his life to Jesus. Amen. And uh, it's interesting here because James wasn't an original disciple of Jesus. So throughout the ministry of Jesus, James, the little brother of Jesus, was not one of his disciples. In fact, if you read the scriptures, you'll see that James didn't even believe that he was Lord. So when we read this passage and it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, has such depth to it because what we see is that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus appears to his little brother and his little brother has such an encounter with Jesus that at the end of his life, little brother James is martyred because he believed that his older brother was the Lord and Savior of this world. I don't know about you, but I would never think my brother was the Lord and Savior of this world. And and I think that that proves to the testament of who God is, that he didn't just say that he was God. He proved that he was God. And you can see his family bear witness to that. And so some 45 years after the death and burial of Jesus Christ, the resurrection as well, James is writing to the Messianic Jews that are being persecuted. And the Bible says that it says that they are scattered abroad. And so the 12 tribes of those believing Christians, those that were believing in the faith of uh, uh, placing their faith in Jesus, they are now being scattered because of persecution. And they're not safe and they're running everywhere. They're looking for safety and they're looking to bring their, their family. And James now begins to write down a letter so that he can now scatter it to the 12 tribes, making copies of this letter to encourage the church at large. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through some difficult times, I don't know about you, but I need some encouragement in my life. Amen? And so in verse 2, we'll, we'll kind of stop here. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall in various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let your patience, or let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I don't know about you. Does anybody want a lacking nothing kind of life? Uh, I want to give you the title to today's message, and, and we'll continue to read the rest of the verses uh, from verse 3 to 18. And I want to give you the title to today's message, and it's simply this, Triumph Over Trials, Tests, and Temptations. I know that's a long uh, title, but I, I really want to hone in on these three things today. Triumph over trials, tests, and temptations. Amen? Can you bow your head for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're going to speak to us today. So grateful for your presence, so grateful for what you're doing. We love you because you first loved us. Oh, God, Lord, help me preach this three-hour message in 40 minutes. In Jesus' name, everyone shouts. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise in this room. Has anyone ever heard of the, the term, don't just talk about it. Woo, we're in the right church, you know what I'm saying? Don't just talk about it. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Don't just talk about it, be about it, which simply means that you need to prove what's coming out your mouth. It means that whatever you're saying, it's, it's easy to say it, and I know you, you're saying it, and that's all good, but you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it, right? And so it brings me to this story because from the moment I met Ronnie Funes, from the moment I met him, Ronnie, I love you. Can we give it up for Ronnie? His second, his, got married on vacation last week. Look at him, no stress. Oh, chilling. First Sunday, he hasn't complained in two years, right here. <laughs> I'll just talk about it, be about it. And so it brings me to the story where Ronnie, from the moment I met him, man, he was like, he, he knew I practiced Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And so he was like, he was like, Pastor Ro! I know you're my mentor and everything, and I love you, and you're all good, and I love you know how to preach, but I want to tell you something, Pastor Ro, I could tap you out. And, you know, he's younger than me. I got him by 10 years. I know it doesn't look it. I know he looks like my older brother, but my whole point is, I said, hey, man, that's all good. So, you know, a couple of months passed by. He's like, trust me, I could tap you out. He's like, you're a vegan. Ain't no vegan going to tap me out. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. He said, he said, he said, I, no vegan going to tap me out. I said, that's all right, man. I said, you know, I prayed the humble role. Amen. Praise God. Right? So, and so what happens with me and Ronnie is that I say, hey, man, let's go to my, my brother's room. My brother has a room in, in his basement. Essentially, it's like a, a little dojo that he, he set up, a little mat and all that. So I said, hey, let's go train there. And when I, when I brought him to the room, I said, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm looking at him. I said, oh, today you can't just talk about it. You got you to gotta be about it, right? So today you can't just talk about it. And guess what? Two minutes in, today we're going to trade, train together, we're going to roll together, we ain't going to just talk, we're going to be about this thing, right? And so, two minutes into this thing, guess what Ronnie Funes is doing? He's tapping out. Can't just talk about it, you got to, but of course this is the, the excuses come, the excuses come, but the truth still, still remains, Right? 
So he's like, oh, no, I was tired. I rolled with another guy. You know, you called me by whatever. And so I said, hey, oh, it was two rooms. It was a little room. If I had room, I would have been able to. Shut up. Anyway. So, so I, take him to, I take him to where I actually train on Highland Boulevard. And so I take him to where I train. And I say, hey, man, we're going to roll. And guess what? Uh, we're there. And, and, and I'm looking at him. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, here we go again. You can't just talk about it. you got to be about it, right? And so uh, we roll together. And they set the timer. And guess what happens? Uh, tap out number one, Kimura. Tap out number two, Americana. Tap out number uh, three, Triangle Choke. Guess what? Ronnie got tapped out in a span of three minutes three times. That means that it takes me an average of 60 seconds to tap Ronnie out, which what I'm saying, the whole moral of the story is that, Brittany, you're not protected. (laughs) I love you, Ronnie. I love him so much. I love you. I love you. You can't just talk about it. You gotta, you gotta be about it, right? You gotta beat it. Little did he know that he was actually Rolling with a future gold medalist. Come on. Somebody. I won this yesterday. Which means that if you're from a different church, I could beat up your pastor. Anyhow. I'm just just kidding. I'm not, but I'm kidding. Anyhow. You can't just just talk about it. You got to be about it. And here's what the message of James is about. When you read the five chapters of James, essentially, when we read this thing, we might read it the wrong way if we don't understand that the whole intention of what James is trying to communicate to the 12 tribes of Israel and to the the, the first century church. In fact, uh, his book was the, the first book that was written in the New Testament. And so the first letter that the early Christians are reading are about what James is saying. And essentially what he is saying is this. Hey, guys, I know we're going through some stuff. I know we're going through some difficulties. I know we're going through some challenges. But right now is the time that we can't just talk about it. We got to be about it, right? And James is saying, if those of you that call themselves God's people and truly belong to him, their lives will produce deeds and fruit. You can't just talk a good game. You got to learn how to live a good game. You, I, I can't just know, I, I can't just, 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 just talk about worship. I got to show you that I can worship. I can't just tell you that I trust God. I got to show you that I trust God. I ain't just going to tell you that God loves you. I'm going to show you that God loves you. Come on, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of Christian that just talks about it and my life doesn't, my life doesn't add up. I want to be the kind of Christian that I can talk about it, but I can be about it. That I can say something, but I can also show you. That I can say I worship and that I can show you I worship. The Bible says that they will see it and fear. Look at my worship. Look at my love for people. Not for bragging rights, but to show you how good my God is. If you believe that in this house. Don't just talk about it. So the first topic that James is talking about is, he wants to encourage the church. He says, listen man, it's time you can't just talk about it. You got to be about this life, man. You, you can't just say, this is the first thing I want to let you know. Is that number one, he's like, he's my brethren. I want you to count it all joy. Whoo! Count it all joy. That's good until he says when. 
Notice he doesn't say if. Notice if he doesn't say maybe, by chance. He says, count it all joy when you fall in what? Various trials. Excuse me? Yeah, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you're going through rough situations. Count it all joy when you're going through here we go. What kind of trials? Oh, specific, certain kind, particular trials. No. Look at the word he uses, various trials. In other words, he's saying, listen, it's all kind of trials. Uh, your trial might look this way, and that person's trial might look this way. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all kind of trials. It, it's various trials. It's, kind of, it's the kind of trials that, that maybe you're saving up and, and your bank account is looking good, and then something hits now, and now your, your bank account is bleeding, and now you lost your job, and now you're, you're behind your payments, and now you don't know how you're going to adjust. I, I'm talking about various trials. Someone shout various trials. It's talking about like maybe marital trials, like, like, like just when you thought that your relationship was, was getting better, just when you thought that you were actually doing good, now she drops a bomb on you, and now you're faced with dealing with a reality you never wanted to experience, and someone shout various trials. <laughs> maybe it's you, you, you learned something happened to your child or something, uh, uh, something in your family that, that you got some bad news. Maybe it's a sickness that you just received from the doctor that he said, oh, oh you, there's a bad report. You're going through various trials. And it's not only various kind of trials in terms of their type, but it's also various kind of trials because it says when they come. In other words, they can, they can come at any time. I heard a preacher one time said, if you're not in a trial, or you're not coming out of trial, get ready, because you're about to go in one. And he says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. And I don't know about you, it's not just the kind of trials. It's not when they come, but it's also how many trials I've gone through. It's count it all joy when you go through four trials. After the four trials, you're good. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, count it all joy when you go through various trials. That means you might, you, might, you might be going from one trial to another. Have you ever been in a season where it felt like you were just hopping in from one trial to another? Have you, ever, have you ever been to a season when you finally caught your breath, you finally came up underwater? Oh, I'm going back down again. And he says, you need to learn how to count it all joy. And here's the mistake that we make. Many times when we hear this passage or read this passage, we read, count it all happiness. And James wants to make a distinction here because if we read this by happiness, we misunderstand the context of what James is trying to say because happiness is directly connected to outside circumstances. See, happiness is dependent on the circumstances you experience but joy is dependent on the Christ you've encountered. So he's saying, listen, I, I, I need you to understand something. I'm not asking you to whip out your pom-poms and your poom-poom shorts and this is the day. This is the day. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not asking you to become a, a cheerleader. I'm asking you to count it all joy. I'm asking you to, see, see like, I don't know about you, but happiness is good. Anybody happy about happiness? I love me some happiness. Right? Like happiness is when you come home and you can smell your wife's cooking from the kitchen window as you walk up the steps. That's called happiness right there. 
Happiness is when you come first place in your first Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament. I mean, that's happiness right there. Happiness is when you find that extra onion ring in your bag of french fries. That's happiness right there. Happiness is when you take your first selfie, and that's the only one you need to take before you put it on Instagram. That's happiness right there. Happiness is when you find money in a pocket that you wore from pants three weeks ago. That's happiness. That's happiness. But he ain't talking about stuff that is dependent on circumstances. He's talking about joy, which means it's despite your circumstances. See, see, joy is, is having, it's, it's peace despite the circumstances. It, it's courage despite darkness and fear. See, see, joy is confidence despite the worry. See, joy is having peace in the middle of the storm. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life as a believer to be dependent on the circumstances that are happening around me. I want my life as a believer to be marked by the Christ that's inside of me. I want to live a life of joy. If you want to live a life of joy in this house, I want you to think about this because I, I don't know how many, I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I've fallen a victim to think that happiness is what I need in life. I'm always dependent on something happening on, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for something happen, to happen so that I can be happy. Happiness is connected to happenings. But when you think about the joy of the Lord, Pastor, I feel so weak. Well, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here's what, here, here's what, the first thing I want you to catch right here. If, if you're ever going to triumph over your trials, your tasks, your tests, and your temptations, if you're ever going to overcome that, here's the first thing you need to do. Number one, change your perspective. Write this down. Write this down. I, I got three simple points for you today. Change your perspective. See, many times the way, hear me. Joy allows you to see trials and difficulties through a new perspective. Did you hear that? Joy allows you to see trials and difficulties through a new perspective. And many times the way we perceive th something has, has to do with the vantage point that we have. Or the vantage point. Look what he says. He says, James chapter 1 verse 2. Look what it says. It says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Look, look. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Did you hear that? That the testing of your faith produces patience. Ultimately what he's saying is like you need to understand that when you're going through a difficult time, you need to understand that there's an end result that God wants to produce on the inside of you. And you need to change your perspective about the thing you're going through. Because many times we ask God, why is this happening to me? And what we need to understand is that God is not allowing it to happen to you. God is allowing it to happen for you. I, I think I'm going to get better amens on this side. Let me, let me try this side. <laughs> So, so sometimes we need to change our perspective. There's some trials that I've gone through that I would go through them all over again because at the end of the trial, I became a better person and I became more closer to God and closer to becoming who he called me to be. And so I need to change my perspective. Okay, God, when I'm going through difficult times, 
God's not trying to punish me. God hasn't failed me. God hasn't disappointed me. I need to learn. Somebody say, I need to learn how to change my focus. Let me try to explain this as best as possible. Because many times, the thing that we focus on becomes the, what shapes our perspective. There's so many people in life that unfortunately they never can see, they can never move to that next level in Christ because they have not learned how to change their perspective. And the reason that they have not been able to change their perspective is because they have not been able to change their focus. See, someone can't move from unforgiveness to forgiveness because their focus has become what they did to me. But if I change that and I focus on what God has done for me, I can look at what they've done to me as minuscule compared to what God has done for me. Change your focus. Sometimes you don't need to, it's not only, sometimes the reason you can't change your focus is because you have not changed your position. So and sometimes in order for you to change your perspective, you need to change your focus. But sometimes you can't change your focus because you're in front of the darn thing and you need to change your position. Can I show, can I show you something? If this is my perspective, if this is my position, what am I looking at? Y'all see a wall. I see darkness. I just see black. But if I change my position, now I see a wall. But if I change my position, now I see some lights and a wall and a speaker. Now I see it from a different point of view. But what if, what if I change my position over here? Huh. Now I see a beautiful church. And I don't just see darkness. Now I don't just see a wall. Now I don't just see a light. Now I see a body of people who love Jesus and their lives are being transformed. Why? Because I've changed, I'm looking at the same thing, but I'm looking at it from a different point of view. And too many of us, we have big opinions with small perspectives. And it's not until we change our perspective and look at our trials. Stop looking at them from a victim's mentality. Why is this happening to me? Hear me, hear me. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through some things and I fell into the victim pattern. Like, why is this happening to me? I can't believe it. Oh, my God. God, do you know? Do you know how I've given? Have you ever pulled out your resume to God? Lord, I devoted my life to you, God. Like, I just, you know, I fast and I pray and I just, why me? And I love God's answer. Like, you remember Job, right? Remember Job? He was like, where were you when I created the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I spoke light into existence? In other words, he, he was like, man, your perspective is too small with that big opinion. So when we're going through trials and, and difficulties, we got to be able to change our perspective, which means that every tear you shed was not, in, was not a waste. That every night you went to, you lost sleep, it was not a waste. That every failure you ever experienced, it was not a waste. Why? Because it was the material 
that God was using to perfect your faith and to produce a spiritual stamina in you to become a victor. He says you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. And when I see it from that perspective, I can see that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places and I can see things differently. I don't see things that's happening to me. I see that happening for me. And God's trying to produce something in me that could not be produced outside of the trial that I was going through. Come on, is there anybody in this place that is saying, Lord, I'm willing. continues to say, James, he continues to write, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but look what it says, but let patience have its perfect work in you. He says, let it, you have to allow it, you have to give it permission to do this. But look what it says, it says, perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, hear this, let him ask God. Hello. But I don't know, but I, I'm lost, but I don't have the answers. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Watch this. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. He goes, your only qualification for receiving the, for receiving the wisdom I have is simply asking for it, and you will see him give it to you. Continue. No, next one. For let not, I'll read it from here. For, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will, be, he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in his ways. Here's, here's what he's saying, because many times we're like, man I, man, I read that, and I'm like, I'm discouraged. Because I, I, I don't know, I've been in that place of tension. I've been in that place where I've doubted God as I'm trying to trust him at the same time. Like, God, I want to trust you, but I feel like I, I'm, I have little doubt. And what, what he's saying, can, can you imagine that God says that you only need, you only need a, 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 a faith, a mustard seed type faith. In, so, in other words, double-mindedness is saying this, God, I trust you, but I got a plan B. Because if you got a plan B, then you're not really trusting me, not even in a mustard seed level. He says, he says kind of, see, if you're asking for wisdom, let, let me tell you something. Your faith is going to be tested. But in order for you to pass the test, you got to ask God for wisdom. Number two, write that down. Ask God for wisdom. Can we put that up on the screen? You got to ask God for wisdom. And, 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 and your, 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 the testing of your faith is an opportunity, hear me, to prove who you are in Christ. I don't know about you, but have you ever known you were going to take a test in school and you got sick that day? <laughs> because many times we try to skip the test instead of asking God for wisdom to pass the test. And we need to be, 
See, what we don't realize is that when we are, our t- faith is tested, hear me, it's God's way of approving that he's preparing you for the next place he wants you in him. Like, I don't know about you. Have you ever, you remember, you remember Street Fighter? Anybody remember Street Fighter? Uh, my man was Ryu. Ryu. Who do can? Who do can? Are you can? No, I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm doing the, the thing. Like, you guys remember that? Right, like, uh, do we have the images? Like, do you guys remember Belrog? We don't have the images? Do you guys remember Belrog? Anybody remember Belrog? Like, huh? Don't correct me in public. Anyway. <laughs> Y'all remember Belrog? I called him Belrog all my life up until this moment. I remember the first time I played Street Fighter, all I wanted to do was get to M. Bison. Y'all remember M. Bison? So we had Belrog, we had Vega, Vega, right? Y'all remember Vega? And then we had Sagat, y'all remember Sagat, right? And then we, and then we had M. Bison. I just wanted to get Ryu, Hadouken, Hadouken, I wanted, I just wanted to get to M. Bison. That's what I wanted, right? I just wanted, oh, I can't wait to get to M. Bison. And here's what was happening. I was so focused on the test that I wanted to have in life that I wasn't focused on the test that was in front of me. And so I couldn't get past Belrog. And so I would fight Belrog, and he would do that super punch. And I was done. And I would have to put another quarter in. You know what I'm saying? Anybody remember that? Caught it. Put another Hadogan, Hadogan, Hadogan. I used to I used to cheese all the time. Hadogan, Hadogan. Right? And I couldn't get to M. Bison because I wasn't focusing on passing the test that was in front of me. See, there's some tests that we want to experience. There's some things that we there's some levels we want to arrive to. Like I want to get to the last level. I want to become the champion. I want to become the victor. But there's a test that's in front of you that is testing your faith. Why? Because it's preparing you for the next level. It's not just preparing you for the final level. It's preparing you for the next level. And what happens is that that, that accumulative effort, that, that, that all those things combined begin to give you the skill set to when you get to end bison, you'll be able to have the victory. And too many times, instead of asking God for wisdom to pass the test that's in front of us, we're just skipping the test. Or we, or we keep fighting the same test over and over. Like, we got to get past certain tests. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I don't know about you, but I think that we need to get past the, oh, God forgives me test. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, too holy for that. Yeah, too holy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the, the, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to cheat on my taxes, but, you know, God forgive me. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to watch that show. Ooh, you shouldn't watch that. I know. God forgives me. Oh, you're going you're gonna to gossip like that. You shouldn't gossip like that. I know, I know, but God forgives me. And then when we, and then we wonder why we feel stuck on repeat. 
fighting the Belrog over and over and over and over. And we can't conquer that Belrog because we're not focused on conquering the tests that we experience sometimes in private. So we never can fight the giants that we have in public. I remember a lad by the name of David, and the book of Samuel puts it down perfectly. Look, look what the book of Samuel says. It says, but David persisted. When I'm taking care of my father's sheep, he said, and a lion or a bear and grabs a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I take the lamb from its mouth, and if it turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. Now watch this. I have done this to both the lion and the bear, and I'll do it to this heathen Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the Lord. I love that because he sounds real Pentecostal right there. And I was just like, yeah, it goes, David. Why? Because he knew he was prepared to fight the M. Bison. Because he had already defeated the Belrogs and the Vegas and the Sagat. And so many times we're like, oh, 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 I'm ready for you, Goliath. No, you're not because you still got to fight a lion and a bear. Just give me Goliath. Anybody want a Goliath story? I slew the giant. God is saying, no, no, no. See, David didn't get a hooray when he beat the lion and the bear. He got a hooray when he fought Goliath. And many of us want the praise of defeating our giants in public when God is saying, no, you need to learn how to fight your lions and bear in private where you will receive no praise. But your character will be developed. Where no one will come and pat you on the back, but your character will be developed. Where no one will come and celebrate you, but guess what? You're going to become more of who God called you to be. This word, the testing of our faith. I heard uh, a, a speaker as I was doing a devotional. And Francis Chan says that this word, testing of our faith, is so powerful. Because in its original intention, in terms of the language, this word, testing, derived from how they made silver. And it was called testing silver. And what it would do is that it would, you would burn the silver or you would put the silver under fire. And what that would do is that it would surface all the impurities out of the silver. And as they, as they would surface all the impurities out, out of the silver, the impurities will then be scooped up off. And then that same silver we put under fire once again. And then again he would come, the impurities would come up, and then the impurities would be scooped up, and it would be done over, and this was called testing silver, until he would look down to the silver and be able to see his reflection on the silver. I don't know about you, but I want to live the kind of life that God puts me under the fire, but it's not to destroy me or to burn me. It's so that the impurities that I have in my soul can be removed. That he looks upon his creation and he can see the reflection of his son, Jesus Christ. Come on, I don't know, but can we give God some praise in this room? I got to be ready for the ambitions. This is what I tried to tell people when they tried to fight me now. I tell them, I'm the ambition of this thing. You got to go through Ronnie. You got to go through Lewis. You got to go through Zab. 
then come talk to me. All right? But if you cannot be Ronnie, guess what? I don't talk to bronze medals. I just, I just, I just, I just, I don't. No, I'm just joking. The reason that David, David wasn't unstable is that, is because of this one reason. It's because he was prepared. And he didn't, realize, he didn't rely on his own strength and his own wisdom to defeat the lion and the bear. How, did I, how do I know that? Because when you saw him fight Goliath, what did he say? I don't come with you, but a sword or a spear. Nor did he say, I come with you with a slingshot. No, no, no. See, he understood that the power and the wisdom that he had wasn't about him. He understood that what he was running towards the giant with is the same thing that he was running towards the bear. He was running towards the lion. The same thing he was running Goliath towards, he says, I don't come with you with spear. I don't come with you with sword, but I come with you in the name of God. Come on, somebody. I, I, I want to be able to walk through my trials and overcome my tests because I relied on the wisdom of God. As the worship team comes up, I want to give you the last point here. And this is, if we're, if we're ever going to, have victory, if we're ever going to triumph over our trials, our tests, and our temptations, we're going to have to learn how to do one thing, and that's surrender. It's going to be surrendering your desires. Surrendering your desires. Picking up at verse 9, it says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flower fails and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich, hear me, also will fade in his pursuit. Ultimately, what he's saying in these verses is that our life isn't about pursuing riches. Our life isn't about chasing after things. Because as the church was being persecuted, he wanted to remind them, listen, your power is not going to be in your own wisdom. Your power is not going to be in your own status. Your power is not going to be in your own resources. So stop trying to gain. I, 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 some of us, some of them were losing their family. Some of them, was lo they were losing their possessions. They had to leave and they're like, oh, how am I going to regain all this back? He says, man, life is not about gaining riches. So don't even worry about that. In fact, he's saying like riches could rob you of your calling. And in verse 12, he continues to say, but blessed is the man who endures temptation. Blessed, what? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Pastor Ro, I thought the temptation was of the devil. No, no, it's not. Let me show you. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Watch this. 
Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot tempt by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, watch this, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Where's the devil there? He says your own desires, your own desires. And this is why, this is why we need to learn how to surrender our good desires and learn how to surrender our most evil desires. I thought it was just the evil ones and I'm good with the good ones, right? Those are good desires. It must be of God. No. I got to learn how to just surrender my desires. Because your greatest temptation, let me tell you, how we, we're, we're going to go through temptations. We're going to go through difficulties. We're going to go through challenges. I think sometimes when we hear the word temptation, we think about the most evil sins. And let me tell you right now, most of the temptations that we go through can be overcome by three simple steps right here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to breeze through this real quick. Number one, boundaries. You want to learn how to overcome actions of sin? Temptations of sin? You want to learn how to overcome that? Number one, boundaries. Someone shout boundaries. I have boundaries. I'm always in temptation. Oh my God, the struggle is real. No, you put yourself there. I said, I can't, I, can't, I can't stop buying those chips. Yes, you can. Stop buying them in your house. Stop putting them there. Oh, but every time I look at Instagram, I, I, I start lusting. Well, you can get off of Instagram. Oh, but I can't stop gossiping. Maybe you need to number two. How do I overcome temptation? Number one, I got boundaries in my life. There's certain things. I got a to-do list and I got a not-to-do list. There are certain things that Rolando cannot do. You know one of the things I cannot do? I cannot watch TV during the day every day. I only watch TV during the day once a week. You know why? Because I become addicted. And I'll be preaching about Netflix every Sunday if I allowed myself to do that. So I don't watch TV during the day at all. Number two, get people around you. Get some people around you. How do I overcome sin? Get some people around you that can hold you accountable. Number three, here, here's the most spiritual one. Run! Run! You know what the Bible says? I don't know. I got to overcome sexual temptation. I got to overcome sexual temptation. I got to go. No, you know what the Bible says? Flee. Flee. The Greek word for flee is Flee. <laughs> Run! Nah, but we're just going to chill at the house. Like, you know, we're just going to chill. Like, you know? You know? One of, the, one, of, one, of the, one of the boundaries that the leadership have if they're single, that they can't be alone in closed doors. They can't be alone. So the leadership knows, like, they're not in a private scene, in a private home by themselves. I mean, unless you're married, of course. Holla. Why? Because the Bible says run, flee from sexual temptation. 
There's boundaries. That's, I'm going to run. You know, you know what Joseph did when Potiphar's right, wife, what he did? He said, you could keep my jacket, I'm out. He said, I don't, my jacket is not worth my, my, worth my calling. You could keep my jacket. You could, be, you could keep all my, it's not worth my calling. So you need to run. Okay, so that's, that's just overcoming acts of temptation, these different acts of temptation. Here, here's, here's the greatest temptation that you're ever going to deal with. How do I overcome temptation? Because temptation sometimes feels like a swimming pool. It's like a swimming pool. Ready to dive right in the swimming pool. It's a song me and Drew wrote together. <laughs> and uh, the greatest temptation that you're ever going to have is the one that Jesus faced. See, in Luke, the Bible says that Jesus experienced the greatest temptation of his life as he told his, his disciples, pray that the devil doesn't lead you into temptation. Look what it says. And when he came to the place, he said, pray that you may not enter. No, he doesn't even say the devil. Look at that. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them in a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, are, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know what you're never tempted to do? The thing that God wants you to do? <laughs> I, I, I've never met the person. Oh my God, I feel so tempted right now to fast. Never. Never. Ever. I never met the person. I'm just, I'm just struggling right now. I feel so tempted to pray all night. I just, it's just, you know, I just, I'm trying, I'm trying to run from it, but I just feel so tempted. No? Never met, never, never never met. See, because temptation is the gravitational pull that lures you not just into actions. It it's these incremental decisions that you make that, that slowly but surely, surely pull you away from God's call over your life. That's why he says, he says, he says, he says, God, pass, this is my desire. This is my desire. My desire is that you pass this cup. Pass this cup, Father. But, but look how he ends it. But not my will. Your will be done. See, your, your greatest temptation is not going to be good versus evil. Your greatest temptation is going to be good versus God. It's going to be wanting a good thing over a God thing. Like, God, I don't want to die right now. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, I don't want to be here right now. Can we, any of us blame Jesus for wanting to not go through this, not go through the torture, not go through the torment, not go through the beating, not go through the crucifixion. I won't blame Jesus for wanting to be like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. In his humanity, he's saying, Father, Father, 
pass this cup. I, I, heard, I heard a story about a cup that the cup bearers, I can't remember who I heard it from, but the cup bearers would, if I can't remember who I heard it, is mine? Is mine? If I, if I can't remember, it's mine. Anyway, the cup bearers would, would be the ones to drink the cup before the king just in case somebody was going to poison the king. So the cupbearer would drink it. And when he tested it, then the, and if that cupbearer didn't die and pass out, then the king could drink it. What does it say about our king? Who said, no, 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 I'm gonna drink it so that my cupbearers would live. ask for a good thing. I don't want a good thing anymore. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want a good thing anymore. I just want a God thing. So you bow your heads and close your eyes at this moment. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.